Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. I'm so thrilled to have my friend and reoccurring guest, Pratik Patel, back on today. He's a health and human performance coach, most recently with the New York Giants as the director of performance nutrition. He's truly an expert in all things nutrition, hydration, supplementation, sleep recovery. I mean, the guy is... He's just brilliant. Today, we're going to discuss the latest weight loss drug that is commonly referred to as Wagovi that is garnering a ton of national attention. It's the first new drug treatment for chronic weight management to receive FDA approval since 2014. So this is a big deal. We're going to unpack what it is, how it works, and if it's safe and effective. But before we get started today, if you haven't joined the over 1,000 people receiving my weekly newsletter adaptation, you should check it out. Every Friday, I send you quick tips and tools curated for high performers just like you. You'll receive actionable information and the most recent cutting-edge science on how to improve your mind, body, and recovery so you look, feel, and perform your best. Check it out. The link is in the show notes. All right, let's get to my conversation with Pratik. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Pratik, there is some pretty cool stuff. I don't know. I'm a little skeptical, but there's these drugs coming out right now. These weight loss drugs, which are like these GLP-1 mimicking chemicals called semi-glutide. Like, what is this? Is this safe? Is it effective? Like, what do you think about it? Yeah. And as you know, there's always going to be the next flavor of the month or year with weight loss drugs, but these have been in production for a while. I think some of the studies go back to 2019. So it's not like they're exactly new, but they're a little bit newer in terms of the accessibility of them. So you have these categories of these GLP-1 agonists. So they're gone like peptide agonists and their main function is to try to act a little bit like insulin. So They were created for people that have issues with glucose control. So those with type 2 diabetes, those with obesity or excessive fat on their bodies to help with weight loss. As we know that, you know, weight loss is a big way to help control blood glucose levels. And, you know, as opposed to metformin, these GLP-1 agonists, they work, you know, against glucagon. Obviously, glucagon breaks down glycogen molecules to get glucose in the blood. But if you're having issues with glucose control, that's the last thing you want to have happen. And you already know that if you're at this stage, you have some form of insulin resistance. So the insulin that the body is creating isn't effective of taking the glucose from the bloodstream to get it into the tissues. So you have this excess blood glucose floating around and you can't get into the tissues. That's what insulin resistance means, right? The insulin's not working and it's doing its job, correct? That's correct. Yeah. So studies are now showing, you know, utilizing these drugs, especially over time, because it's not a quick fix. Are they effective? How do they compare to exercise? How does it compare with the drug plus exercise? A really interesting study that was just published in here in 2023. Initially started the participants, they're all pretty much obese. You know, I think BMIs were at least 30, if not over 35. And you can expect that, you know, these aren't NFL athletes with massive amounts of muscle. So they do have (laughs) an excessive amount of adipose tissue on them. So excessive amount of fat. And they started them on an 800 calorie a day diet. And they monitored them over the course of multiple weeks with with the drug intervention to see how much weight loss can you actually get in a short amount of time. 
So a lot of these people that are taking the drug are seeing anywhere from 5, 10%, even greater than that in terms of their body weight and weight loss. And you can imagine if somebody's overweight or obese and they're pushing almost 300 pounds, you lose 10% of your body weight, that's 30 pounds, which is pretty- Now, important. are they losing body fat or are they losing a lot of muscle tissue? Because an 800 calorie diet, I don't imagine that you're sparing mus- much muscle tissue. And that's one thing that a lot of people that aren't, aren't necessarily in support of these weight loss drugs are saying, because when you're doing the body comp analyses, you do see that they are losing some lean body mass. So mainly you're, you're talking about muscle tissue. And yeah, I saw Peter Tia say something about this. Yeah. And I, I think what we also have to take into perspective is if you're somebody that potentially is 300 pounds or greater, you have a very high BMI you might actually have more lean body mass on you versus somebody that's a lot smaller that might not have these issues. So there's the potential that if you do have some base level of strength or you just happen to have a lot more lean body mass, losing that, it probably isn't the worst thing in the world if you've tried everything under the sun to try to lose weight. So what the study did is they followed up people for a year. They put them in four different categories. You have a control group, you have exercise only, you have the diet weight loss drug. I think it was a uh, liraglutide. So it's, there, there's, there's four or five of them. There's so many, there's probably more coming out. The pharmaceutical companies are able to get them to market. And then you have the exercise and drug group alone. So what they found was um, everybody had made some type of progress, but it was definitely pretty significant what the differences were. Exercise and the control group didn't really move the needle on these uh, individuals losing much weight. Those that actually took the drug lost a decent amount of weight, but those that combined exercise with the drug lost the most. Now, do you think that's because they were in a greater caloric deficit? I think the the deficit was probably controlled for, for the most part, they were consuming as much as you can. Better blood glucose regulation? Yeah, potentially better blood glucose regulation. It does control appetite a little bit better. I think that's one of the Mm. big things with these drugs. Uh, Because we know that when we get in a caloric deficit, regardless of size, like, you know, our appetite hormones, the body recognizes it. And it's like, hey, we need to eat because you're not providing me with what I need. So that's where some people might struggle with staying in a caloric deficit for a longer period of time. So the combination of the drug plus sticking to the exercise program, plus controlling for hunger, and being consistent with it led to these results. Now, if you take any medication, there's always going to be a side effect. That's we know this of any. So, what's the side effects? You have um, nausea, you know, GI issues, and we sometimes we don't know because they are fairly new. We don't know the long term, like what happens if you're on this for three years, five years, ten years, because it's not like you can get off the drug and automatically you're going to have success. And I think that's one of the knocks on some of these drugs are you're consistently required to take it. It's not like, hey, I got to my weight loss goal and then I'm done. Now I don't have to adhere to these behaviors that I had to before and I don't have to take the drug. So that I think that's one big concern is when you're on medications for a long time, we don't know the long-term issues with it. What actually is going to happen to some of these people? Because you know it can affect your different organs. It can affect the kidneys. It can affect potentially the heart and brain. We don't know that. So we don't know the long-term effects. We do know this quote works. Like people lose weight. If you want to lose weight, if you're obese and your blood sugar's out of control, it's doing what it says it's going to do. We don't know the long-term effects. It does seem though that when people get off of these drugs, that they're rebounding. Why? 
because they didn't change the fundamental behaviors that led them to get to where they were in the first place. Yeah. And being in such a strict caloric deficit, 800 calories is pretty crazy. You know, even if they bump that up to a little bit, if people are weighing 300 pounds or more just for maintaining baseline, I mean, you're talking about at least 2,500 to 3,000 calories. But the interesting thing about the study too, they looked at blood work too, like body comp, they looked at blood work. Their CRP levels decreased too. So, you know, one of the biggest markers of cardiovascular uh, C-reactive protein, right? Yeah, C-reactive protein decreased too. So that's always something that, you know, I would want to look at is cool, you lost weight, but what has it done to your internal systems? Like, do you have excessive inflammation? Has it affected your testosterone, your hormone function? What is it doing to your blood glucose control over time? But I think we have to look at this objectively. There are people that have tried everything. And they've been consistent and it's not to point the finger to say, oh, you're just not working hard enough or you're just not doing exactly what you should be doing. Like, there are people that are doing these things and they just haven't seen the success and they haven't moved the needle and they're, they're kind of at their wits end. Like what is there I can, what more can I do? And then these drugs come out to provide some aid and provide some relief for them. The other thing we haven't talked about is cost. I Googled this. <laughs> Thank you, Google. You're looking at, for some of these, it's anywhere between eight hundred to thirteen hundred dollars a month. Okay, mm. here's my hot take on this. Okay, and you could just tell me I'm wrong. If you are not obese, obese, like let's say you're, let's say you're a male and you're twenty five percent body fat, and you're a female and you're thirty percent, you're overweight, mm. but you're not like morbidly obese. Okay. You may push back on those body fat percentages. I'm just throwing something out there. I think the best thing to do would be to start with behavior change and to take that money and maybe hire somebody like you or somebody else to help me, right? And then like invest in some healthy food and things like that. And if you don't see the results after really giving it a go and things are trending in the wrong direction, this could be a fail safe. But if to me, if you don't solve the underlying problem, which is behave for most people, which is behavior, movement, sleep, sunlight, good food, exercise, healthy relationships, you know, just at, at a marginal level, you're going to constantly be on this roller coaster potentially the rest of your life. Am I wrong? No, I'm in agreement with you. You know, if you're somebody that's not at a stage where it's like, look, if, if you don't really do anything, the health risks are really going to happen. You know, then those people are forced to it if they have the financial means. Because as you said, you're talking about at least $1,000 a month for this drug and you have to stick with it. You have to stay on it mm -hmm. for an extended period of time, which is pretty crazy because you're taking, and again, it depends on the class of the lutide that you end up using. It's mm -hmm. daily and weekly. So it's just the consistency of taking the drug, depending on what it is, some require an injection, some is just normal medication. But we know that epigenetic and genetic factors will always come into play with influencing how somebody's health status is. And I'm always going to be with you as somebody who's lost 50 pounds three times in my life. It was all within my control because of what I was experiencing and how my environment was. So it might not be your fault, but it is completely your responsibility to try to attempt if you aren't at that stage where it's like, look, we're far beyond trying to impact yeah. behaviors, you know, what somebody's schedule or lifestyle is like, isn't really going to change, even if they were very attentive and consistent to where they, they would need something like a drug. 
After listening to this episode, if you know someone that's considering using this drug, share this episode with them so they can make a more informed decision for their health. And if you found the information valuable, please take 10 seconds to leave us a comment and review on whichever listening platform you are joining us from. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.